Welcome to the Knicks, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Justin Artung. And I'm Fanny Darling. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we always do our best to let you know that they're coming. This week, we're talking about We're Here, HBO's new reality show about drag queens putting on a show in small-town America. Hallelujah! All right, as always, a plea to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you're able to do such things. What did you do in pop culture this week? Um, I decided to look for things that have Merritt Weaver in them because Merritt Weaver is the best and the world should love her more. And Netflix told me that there was this movie that also had Michael Huseman in it. And as everyone knows, Michael Huseman is my personal crack. And so I went and I watched it. Merritt Weaver has one scene. The movie is called Irreplaceable You, and it is about Michael Huseman as the husband of a woman who thinks she's pregnant, but then it turns out she has a tumor and she's going to die. So she joins a crochet grief group and then decides that she should set her husband up with someone who will love her him after she dies. This was a good movie to watch in quarantine for my emotional health. It was not. It was a fine movie. It was good. It was touching. It stars uh, Jackie Weaver, Kate McKinnon, Christopher Walken, Steve Coogan, and Wolf Girl from Glow. That's a In good addition, cast. It's a, got a great cast. And it was. it's worth watching. You will cry. It's hokey. You see all the beats coming. But I watched it. We cried. We felt good. And it was. it was cathartic. <laughs> <laughs> in a weird way i think i'm gonna um, watch this and by the way my husband dave was watching something the other day like a 70s movie and he was like christopher walken is in this when he was like 20 and he's super hot oh yeah he was very hot back then it really yeah. confused me but anyways side also bar. he tap dances so you know he's the best True. True. um uh, then on further trying to find things with Merritt Weaver. I watched the first episode of Godless also on Netflix, which was kind of a big deal in 2018 when it came out. It's a limited series. It's about a Western town that all of the men are, have been unceremoniously murdered. And so the women kind of run the place now and hijinks ensue. Uh, Michelle uh, Dockery and and Merritt Weaver are the two main stars. Also, Jeff Daniels is in this. Um, oh, well, and I remember this. I think I saw an episode of this. It was like, and, it's a couple of years old, right? Yes, 2018. Yeah. And Jack O'Connor, who was in Hollywood. So you have seen him in something then. Uh, <laughs> I will go back and watch more of this. Uh, but I don't have a ton to say, except that it was extremely well acted. Oh, also Sam Waterston is in it. So I certainly will go back and watch more. It was very well acted, but I don't know enough about the plot to say much smarter things about it. Um, On Amazon, I watched Blow the Man Down, mainly because the trailer made it seem like it was going to be way more interesting than it was. This is a small town mystery with Margot Martindale, Sophie Lowe, and uh, Morgan Saylor. It's basically, 
there are Margot Martindale plays the town madam in a small town. There's a murder mystery involved in this. It's very atmospheric. It's but it wants to be Fargo. It is not. Don't let them fool you. It's not a good movie. Margot Martindale, I love you very, very much. This was not a great movie. Um, Parker and I have been making lists of movies to watch because we want to stop watching just trailers, <laughs> which is what we spend a lot of our nights doing, just watching trailers and saying, oh, we want to watch that later. For, so, for movies that will never come out in the uh, virus apocalypse? Oh, no. Or- just for looking for things that are already <laughs> out, but that like we're oh we'll watch the trailer to see if we want to watch it right now oh i mean you know how i used your amazon prime account is watching the trailer of every terrible found footage movie ever oh yes Um, yeah believe me (laughs) i know (laughs) (laughs) anyway we ended up watching big fish which i had not seen since it uh was in the theaters i don't think this is the tim burton movie yes and strangely i had forgotten it was tim burton and about halfway through the i had said oh when we started watching it oh right this is tim burton and parker halfway through the movie turns to me and goes how could you possibly have forgotten this was tim burton it's it's one of the most Tim Burton-y things I've ever seen. But it's like the, it's the Tim Burton movie where he tried to go non-Tim Burton-y. He kind of did. I mean, it's got these very fantastical things, but the actual story itself is just a story of a son discovering who his father was and reestablishing their relationship when he's dying. Um, I I had remembered really liking it in the theaters and it was very touching now and it was fun to watch with Parker. It's worth going back and looking at again. Every, you know, Albert Finney is great. Everybody in it is good. Ewan McGregor is fun. It's got all of, you know, Tim Burton's cast of, you know, DeVito and Bonham Carter and all of that, all of them. It's, it's worth watching again for free. Why not? Who's, and, who's the guy from like Almost Famous and that's in the... Uh, Billy Crudup. Billy Crudup. I remember that's like the actual good Billy Crudup role. He's Yes. (laughs) And what's funny is we have accidentally ended up going from like, oh, we watched a bunch of stuff with Domino Gleason, just skip, you know, ending up each movie that we have has some actor in common with the movie we watched before. (laughs) And one of the movies that we had put on our list for possibly watching with him ended up being almost famous. And I was like, oh, that also has... uh, Billy Crudup in it. He's in Dom, like he's in Almost Famous. Uh, no, Billy Crudup. Oh, oh no, sorry, sorry. Yes. I thought Domino Gleason was in it. Sorry. No, okay. I was. We had ended up with a couple of Domino Gleasons last last week. This week, apparently, okay. it's Billy Crudup. But we right. haven't watched Almost Famous yet. But it is on the list. Uh, we watched Jimmy Yang's stand up, which just dropped on Amazon as well. I'm not a big stand up person, but this is funny. It's worth spending an hour with Jimmy Yang saying funny things. Uh, he was, he's one of the stars of uh, Crazy Rich Asians and uh, uh, Silicon Valley. Nice. And it's, it's a fun little piece of stand-up. It's nothing earth-shattering, but you won't regret it. Uh, I have been reading. I uh, started reading Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which is Suzanne Collins' follow-up and prequel novel uh, to The Hunger Games. This is an origin story for President Snow. Uh, Very controversial. It is. And it's interesting enough at this point, I am not willing to say it's not good. However, I know how President Snow turned out. 
And in this day and age, I'm not prepared to have any sympathy for him. So when Justin and I had talked about starting this podcast, we had all these great plans for all these little segments we were going to have. And one of them that we were going to have was going to, was going to be called here. I fixed it for you, which is when we were going to fix movies or TV shows. And I have a here, I fixed it for you for Suzanne Collins. If you wanted to write this novel and you wanted people to kind of understand and have sympathy for president snow, the way you should have done this was to not let us know it was president snow until the end because he is such an abhorrent character and the things that we know that he has done i don't care that he didn't have any money and that he cared about his cousin and that his grandmother called him a nickname i don't really care he's turned into a terrible person and so i i'm only about a quarter of the way through it and maybe i'll change my mind but at this point my main problem is that i know i don't like who this character becomes do you think she wanted to try that but thought there was no way that she could pull that off without people leaking it yeah it's possible does it feel uh, like that's... that a little bit yeah or that people would have guessed it halfway through and been like haha i guessed it i don't know um it's somewhat anemic I mean, it is, it is very much tying into this like Joker and like this culture of like, do we need to understand and Darth Vader? Like, do we need to understand the the backstories of bad guys? Like, I don't know. Like they've got enough press time. Yeah. You know, I'm going to finish it. I'm glad that I'm able to read something right now. And so I appreciate that. And her style, she has a nice style. I enjoy her, her words and her you know verbiage if you will right and it's getting me through times that i haven't been able to read so i appreciate that but i don't it is not nearly as good as the other three books one Uh, one question about it uh, without any spoilers for people Mm -hmm. that are kind of listening and curious does it try and tie into the other characters in the series very much so far it's dropping names that you recognize, okay. uh, heavens be, uh, but not, and it's kind of saying it's only, it's only the 10th game. So it's building the, how this came about, uh, backstory more than anything, but right now it's just have, has dropped some names and, uh, there is his cousin is a character that you meet that you have met before. Okay. Um, so and without spoilers, is mm-hmm. the game stuff fun? Because that's it, what I like about the, the first game one. stuff hasn't started for okay. me. Okay, he's just picked up his tribute. He is a mentor. Okay, and and he, his tribute is of course a girl from District Twelve, which is not a spoiler. That's that's right out there in the the press release stuff. So, it's, do you think um, Woody Harrelson? Oh my god, I can't believe I'm calling him Woody Harrelson. Okay. What's, his char- what's his character's name? Well, Woody Harrelson is Hamish. Hamish. Is Hamish going to show up in this? Well, I don't think so because Hamish, this this book takes place 64 years before. Okay. So Hamish would probably not have been born. You know, he would have been an infant if he was around. Right. So. Okay. um, And then on Disney Plus, there's 10 minutes worth your time. A new short dropped today. It's called Out. It's one of the first uh, Disney animated things that has a a gay main character. And I won't say too much else, but it is worth 10 minutes of your time to log in and watch out 
on Disney Plus, or I'm sure you can find it on YouTube somewhere as well. Very sweet, nice 10 minutes of your time. This is what Disney Plus should be doing. Yes. <laughs> so yes. bring all the sweet special shorts that. Yep. <laughs> exactly. This is. Where your this this is up here with Kit Bull in the watch it and make it warm your heart. Yeah, um, Bull. Yes, exactly. I have uh, a little bit of pop culture news. Umbrella Academy has a season two release date, which would be July 31st. I'm into uh, it. The stand, they are putting all kinds of press out uh, with you know, all kinds of stills and interviews. No release date yet for CBS All Access, but it's got to be coming. I saw the pictures. It looked, it looked good. Like, yeah, it's got to... It looked cinematic. Exactly. Um, I'm not so sure about the Rockabilly Randall flag, but we'll see. I mean, Alexander Skarsgård, I think, is going to be great in this role. I'm just not so sure about his look. The casting is good. The ca- Yeah, except for Greg Kinnear. You know how I feel about Greg Kinnear. <laughs> and I'm excited now for Marsden since he was so good and dead to you, uh, dead to me. So, so good. Yeah. And uh, the Franny Goldsmith uh, actor looks really good. And um, so I'm excited about that. And I assume that a date's got to be coming soon since they're starting to push it uh, a lot. Also, Disney Plus, the first season of Schoolhouse Rock, they're going to put on. Uh, disney plus on june 19th so everybody go out and listen to schoolhouse rock because it's awesome and i want them to put all of the seasons out on that very excited about that and i think that is all i have nice okay <laughs> what do you um, do in pop culture so i watched uh, betty on hbo which is the uh series adaptation of skate kitchen which is a movie that came out i think last year that I kept wanting to see at uh, you know our local art house cinema and right. never pulled it together. And I apparently I didn't need to because she knew the apocalypse was coming and was making a series that we could all just watch on HBO. Uh, this is a show about uh, you know with young women skaters set in New York. It is very queer. It is very diverse. Um, like seventy percent of the cast is like people of color, queer people. Um, I love this show. It is very rough and and raw and kind of indie film kind of from the 90s where you sort of feel like oh this is not scripted and these actors can't really act but um there's something also super charming and refreshing about it as somebody that you know skated years ago i sort of have those uh flashbacks of like i just wish i could skate like that um and it takes on extra nuance when it's these young women and these queer people sort of figuring out space and carving space so one of the things i love about it is it's like not just about the skate scene in new york with these people it's about how they document themselves there's a character that's got a camera constantly that's like as important as like her skating is not as important as her documenting the scene which i think is a really smart way as an outsider, because Moselle, who did a like Wolf Pack and Skate Kitchen, she's like a white queer woman, you know, who doesn't skate, but she's sort of interested in these people. So there's always this level of like understanding what you're documenting and knowing that you have some distance from it. Um, I find it super compelling. Did you watch any of it yet? I watched the first episode. Did you enjoy it at all? Yes, I did. Like, okay. I did enjoy it. I just, uh, I got. I went out to let my dog play with the neighbor's dog. So and didn't watch the rest of it yet. I mean, it's, I think your mileage will really vary with this show. I can understand people being like, I don't understand this world. It, like the Larry Clark kind of kids, like 
you know, kids gone bad, showing them get stoned all the time or dealing drugs or like hooking up or whatever. There's a certain kind of outsidery voyeurism that happens. That's also in this show. Um, but I think the difference here is that she acknowledges it. And it's also a little sweeter and a little more hopeful about these characters and their sort of their fight as outsiders. So I don't know. I'm really loving it. It's only three episodes in, but I like nice. it. There's a lot of good TV on right now. Um, I also watched Have a Great Trip on Netflix, a documentary about hallucinogens and like comedians' experience with them. Did you see this at all? No, I saw an, an ad for it, but I didn't. Yeah, it's um, I I loved it. As somebody who has done you know most hallucinogens at least once, um, I appreciated that this documentary is really it gets the fun, great sides of it, and also. It gets the Ben Stiller, like, oh, God, I'm in way over my head. This was a horrible mistake. Like, I've never liked Ben Stiller more than in this documentary talking about <laughs> his bad trip. I'm like, oh, hey, I have more in common with Ben Stiller than I thought. Um, but it's very sweet. It's very funny. It sort of toes that line very well of, like, hallucinogens are maybe really a good, important sort of psychological thing to kind of explore and understand and learn from and also it can be full of shit and it can be a bad trip and i liked that it understood the duality of that it's a lot of fun there's a lot of really good people on it. it's like sarah silverman um sting this this fucking documentary made me be like oh i like sting again what the fuck that's crazy i didn't know we didn't like sting i mean i got a little tired of sting but this was he's fun in this um and he really has a great I'm like, yeah, Sting is everybody's like acid trip. He's like, it was great. I went to the mountains. It was great until it wasn't. Yes. <laughs> That's me and mushrooms. It was yes. fabulous until I was saying it was, it's so beautiful. And I just wanted to stop. hundred <laughs> um, percent. Yeah. It's, and it's also very funny. They animate some stuff. I really enjoyed this documentary. I think it's a lot of nice. fun. Um, Indian Summers is a new, well, not new. I think it's been out for a couple of years. It's a new to US, uh, I think it's on Amazon Prime right now, but I think it's a PBS, BBC series. I think there's some, I should fact check this a little more, but I think it has some pedigree with, um, shared pedigree with Downton Abbey. It's a similar cast or creator or something. Um, it is about the British occupation of India in the 30s and basically these rich, terrible, awful kind of overlord British people uh, that basically summer away from um, England in these uh, station houses, which are these train stations, basically sta- hill stations, that's what they're called, on these like train lines that basically head up into the Himalayas. And they all have sex and are full of drama and silliness and fight off mosquitoes and drink gin. It is the most PBS fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) And yet it's kind of fun. I don't know. And they drink a lot of gin. So you like a lot of gin. I loved it. I could like feel the mosquitoes like, you know, flinching from the, from the gin. Oh, is that why you're supposed to drink gin? Oh yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, Oh, I'm drinking more gin. It's a natural malarial. I mean, (laughs) Get on board with the colonial anti-malarial. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe Trump will recommend next. Just gin solves all of our problems. Yeah, I thought he anyway, didn't drink. 
<laughs> Anyways, it's fun. It's silly. It's well acted. It's pretty. It actually looks really good. I feel like they filmed a lot of stuff on location. Julie Walters, who's an old kind of, Yay. she's great in it. Um, Educating reader. She's great. And um, Billy Elliot. Should we talk about the great? Speaking of great. Sure. You talk about it. I didn't see <laughs> oh, that. I have to talk about it. Okay. It's on uh, Hulu. It is uh, Nicholas Holt and Elle Fanning in the writer from The Favorite. I can't think of his name right now and I didn't write it down. So I'm sorry. We've had a bit to drink, you guys. <laughs> Apologize. Just full disclosure. Uh, <laughs> Coronaverse podcasting. Yes. And this is the occasionally true story of the coup d'etat against Nicholas III by Catherine the Great. Uh, If you saw the favorite, you have a bit of the flavor of where they go with this and the the, the basic feel, although without uh, Yargos uh, is direction, which I did miss because I think you need his sort of wackiness for this. But uh, what'd you think, Justin? Well, it's funny. It's like, I, I think that you need less of his wackiness and more of his like grounding. Yeah, um, no, I get that. Yeah. It's, you it's, just need him. <laughs> yeah. It's too wacky. Like there's something very like frivolous about it in a way that I just, I like the cast. Nicholas Holt is great again. Oh, so good. Ridiculous over the top kind of period thing i only saw an episode so i don't really know also i, yeah, I watched realize, four didn't realize that was l fanning until i read about it later because i'm face blind um but uh yeah i mean i liked it it was fun i, I saw know. four of them uh i enjoyed it i like i think the script is really fun um I like the kind of Heather's meets period pieceness of it. And it was certainly watchable. Uh, there's a very uh, good, there's a love interest for her that comes into it, who is also very interesting. And he, the actor is very good. Um, I really enjoy the relationship between Elle Fanning and her fallen uh, lady of leisure turned mate handmaiden because her family pissed off nicholas holt and so her handmaiden knows all the rules and and ins and outs of court so can help al fanning and i really enjoy their relationship gets more and more complex in when she she's kind of the driving force behind the you know this isn't a matriarchy and if we take him out you will be ruler and so that's interesting it it gets a little bit more layered in the the plot and uh and specifically the plot against nick against nicholas the third um mostly i really enjoy the performances it's fun to to look at i i am enjoying it i will definitely can complete it but i really like the character slash actor of her whatever handmaiden i don't know what you call yeah. it but so good like that really good that relationship is yep. the driving force of the show for me. Absolutely. And yeah. it continues to be, and it only gets more interesting. Nice. Yeah. Should we talk um, about what we're here? you have some news about Yorgos. Oh, Yorgos is directing <laughs> um, a adaptation of a book series that I am forgetting the name of. Can you tell me? Um, Not a you, book series, a book. If you, if you vamp for a minute, I can. It is. 
<laughs> we didn't write this down. It is a apparently well beloved um, uh, <laughs> fantasy Western. gothic Western novel from. Sorry, you said this and I forgot to write any notes about it. Um, what is it called? The something? It's about a. We can. There we pause. go. I've got it. Okay. Uh, and co writer Tony McNamara. Who is the great guy? Right. Good, good <laughs> so segue. now we know his name too. It's right. Richard Bradigan's 1974 Gothic Western novel, The Hawkline Monster. Um, and it is about a 15 year old named Magic Child who hires two gunslingers to kill a monster that lives in the caves. Have you read this or you know no, anything about this? I don't know. I've never heard of it ever in my life, but I want to see this. And if he doesn't cast, cast Colin Farrell, I'm rioting. So this is going straight like on the reading list because the plot sounds fun. Right. And, and totally. potentially offensive and crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's like a weird, like, I don't know, Native American. It sounds, I was reading a little bit about it. And I'm like, this sounds terribly weird and dated, but <laughs> um, if anybody can make something interesting, it's Yorgos Lanthimos. I'm a oh, fan. absolutely. He's so great. By the way, I have not seen Dogtooth yet. And I was just kind of going through the other day of like things I want to see. And oh, I yeah. loved the other movies. And I read about Dogtooth online and decided I can skip it. Yeah, no, it, it's not for you. That sounds fucking horrible. It, it's not for Justin. <laughs> <laughs> it is not for you. Yeah. The name of the novel is A Confederate General from Big Sur Dreaming of Babylon and the Hawkline Monster. Oh, wow. Okay. So that, that's a title. That is a title. I mean, <laughs> I'm into it. I'm yep. going to read it. All right. Should we talk about we're here? Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, I've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. That's why we're here. <laughs> That's <laughs> why we're here. Sorry. Um, it is uh, Drag Race star Shangela Laquifa. I forget her last name, but that's all you need to know. Watley. Um, what is it? It's Shangela Laquifa Watley something Watley. else. <laughs> I love it. Bob the Drag Queen and Eureka star in this new HBO reality show about drag queens storming small conservative towns to put on a drag show. Um, it often involves the queer people in the local town. It sometimes involves, well, it almost always involves also straight allies and parents of queer people. What did you think of We're Here now that you've seen a couple episodes? I, I love this show. It's so I really love good. this show. I, it's so good. I and I we really needed it the day that we sat down and watched it. And you know, quarantine is tough, you guys. And quarantine is tough on a seventeen-year-old kid who can't see any of his friends and doesn't necessarily feel seen a lot. And the the emotional release and the feeling of, oh, we know these people and they are also not being seen and it's not because of quarantine. They're not being seen because the world isn't seeing them. And so that all of a sudden they're getting to have this show and this moment and this love is really good and that there's not always nice easy packages at the end to fix everything is is wonderful and and real and and not just i know that there's you know some production and i know that there's strings being pulled but i still think this is an incredibly kind show that is very needed for a lot of people and i we just love it 
so much. What'd you think? I mean, I've been talking about it a couple of weeks here yeah. and I fucking love it. And I, yeah. I was so jaded from a lot of RuPaul, honestly, like you, I sort of was expecting it to feel a little RuPaul well, offshooty and it's nothing to do with RuPaul or Drag at all. Race. And um, Parker, we watched the, the first episode right after the last episode of RuPaul that was very tough for Parker. <laughs> and he yelled and screamed and said he was done with RuPaul. And, um, and, and, he, and he also said, look, I know that in the scheme of things, what happened on RuPaul's drag, drag, drag race, I am overreacting, but it felt very real in the moment. So there- to have this cathartic moment of these people that we, we know about and that we supported because of RuPaul do this beautiful thing was very, very good. <laughs> There's definitely a lesson for drag race to learn from this show, which is like, at this point, like queerness and, and drag culture is sort of universal culture. And it's like transcends gender, transcends like sexuality. It's just like embracing and that, that. And that the, the new and the the representation is sometimes more important than the package it comes in. Oh, totally. Yeah. So maybe the Middle Eastern, you know, the Middle Eastern drag queen might be somebody to promote over something else, you know, and, and, and seeing yourself in a queer space may be important for people and that's something to push well it's funny eureka on drag race was a queen that i was always like oh whatever you're kind of annoying yeah parker and and i too (laughs) and then when this show starts like you you know eureka's a little loud and annoying and it's bad lip filler and whatever but you watch it and you sort of get why eureka is a star and it's partly because eureka can go into these towns because eureka was a bullied fat queer kid who like learned to just like fucking survive and it's like eureka can connect nothing else you can do to him yeah and it's like that is really what the show's about is this sort of like queerness is like it's in every little town there's somebody who feels queer and it's like it is beautiful it makes me cry every fucking oh every time parker Um, the second episode i i literally thought parker might throw up he cried so hard but in a very cleansing and wonderful way (laughs) the second and third episodes are really intense um and the first and fourth are good and when the party happens and it's fun and you know there's a great moment in the fourth episode where they go to um it's a town in uh, louisiana it's like not it's outside of new orleans (laughs) and there is a mom of a mexican guy who's basically like gay and he's got like sort of an older like almost like gay drag mother or just a gay like mentor and he is really concerned about his mom um who threw him out when he basically refused to like not be gay because she was very religious and shangela goes to the mom have you seen this episode yeah i think this is the the most recent episode because i've seen the fourth episode and this doesn't sound familiar so i think this is the most recent episode sorry spoilers um but she Basically, Shangela goes to the mom's house with this kid, and the mom puts on a very, like, brave 
face that feels a little like the camera's in your face. You're going to say the right thing. And this kid is kind of like, I love you. I'm getting, giving you another chance after throwing me out. And the mom's like, I've always supported you. And Shangela walks out with him and says like, you know, your parents put on a, you know, parents often put on a good face when push comes to shove. And it's sort of like a little like challenging the mom. And you're like, oh, is this bad TV drama? And Jose, this character is basically like, yeah, no, this is like not what I experienced. My mom wasn't there. And now she's putting on a good face. And and Shangela sort of says, but all we have right now is like this moment. So what, what do we do right. with this moment? And it <laughs> it's like, that is perfect. It's like, yep. how do you grasp things that are small and important yeah. and um, you know, maybe getting a camera in your face and talking about this is a moment that'll change and, somebody's mind. I don't right. Know. And look, there's the, the, I think must've been the fourth episode where they have the, the guy who is, is a super uh, fundamentalist Christian. He's born again. And his ma, he was raised by an atheist oh, right. in a very religious town. And he had been, he said, I, I used to be gay, but then God told me I couldn't be. And so, but I, I want to do this anyway. And he does a performance with his mom and guys walk away. I'm going to give you warning. I'm going to give you a spoiler. So Tune out now and we'll see you next week if you don't want any spoilers for we're here. Um, three, two, one. And the after the credits, you get a, a, a follow-up uh, message that says two weeks after this, he came out. Oh, and he's that. still he's still a, a Christian. He came out, he's still a Christian and he's gay. And that Parker and I cheered yeah. <laughs> because you felt for that guy. And, you know, it was like, honey you don't have to hate yourself yeah. it's okay to love god and love jesus and have faith without hating yourself no matter what this town tells you this is something and, that's been on my mind all week is you can have two thoughts in your mind yeah. that are you know seemingly contradictory to the world around you but make sense to you so yep. just embrace those Absolutely. And I loved his mom and their performance was great. And he, he touched my heart that and the guy that uh, Eureka made the do, do the tuck reveal after he said, I'm have to put, I have to put duct tape on my pecker. Oh my God. Great. <laughs> I mean, also shout out to these straight guys on where here that are like, I'm right. showing up to be a fucking ally for whatever goddamn reason. I super right. appreciate them. And exactly. The and show finds great. them and it's fantastic. And the one, yep. From this fifth episode is all equally as good. I love oh, the show. Nice. I love the show. No, that the wonderful guy who was worried about having to put the duct tape on his pecker and then did the fabulous tuck reveal and they switched to his girlfriend and I'm like, dude, you are getting so late. <laughs> totally. I know. It's it's also like it's funny. We we wanted to originally have our friend Amy on this episode and because we tried to make her watch Drag Race. Um, and she tried she did it, not like it, did not like it and felt like I am offended by this as a woman. Yep. And it's like, and I, I don't blame her. Like there's something no, about drag either. race. that's like not the same. And, and I said, keep watching. We're here. Cause it's a very different. It's like kind of what, you know, from drag. Cause she's been to drag shows and sort of understands right. the, the real sort of subversive appeal of drag. And she's like, yes, this is it. So yep. kudos to we're here for actually understanding what that means. Yep. Um, I, I 
Absolutely 100% agree. Yeah. And it's, I just want it to be on forever in a loop forever. <laughs> it's like, just oh, get no, us through totally. the next year. Yeah. It was, I'm, I'm, thank you, HBO. This, we needed it and we needed it right now. And that feels really good. Also, in a weird, just kind of whatever stylistic way, it doesn't look like other reality shows. It looks like a beautiful, I mean, like cheer in a way. It looks like a beautiful indie right. film. It's right. so well shot. That it, yes. it feels more like a documentary than a reality show. Agreed. There's no like competition aspect to this. So anybody who's like, oh, another dumb reality show, this is no. not that. It's a the queens say, oh, my my drag daughter's gonna be better than yours. But there it's not it, it's yeah. done in a very sweet way. It's not in a yeah, there's no competition, there's nobody has to win or anything. They just say, Look, my drag daughter's gorgeous and yeah. haha to you, but just because that's how they are, they throw shade, you know. Yeah, oh. very minimal though. Yes, um, exactly. That's- yeah, all right. I, I, so speaking of drag queens, that I know you got to read, you got a next for us here. What's your next? Okay, so yay, happy news, Timothy Oliphant's gonna be on The Mandalorian. Boo. Sad news. Looks like they're going to have him in a helmet the whole time. I nix you, the Mandalorian. You took two of the most beautiful frigging human beings on the face of the earth and stuck shit on them that I don't get to see their face or their butts, and I'm over you. So Off of this pants, on with the helmet. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I'm over it. I also, this is right back to the great, and this is a Hulu thing. Um, I need for Hulu to stop with the smirky on the nose. Do you get it? Do you get it? <laughs> Pop songs that don't fit with the time period. I'm talking, talking all of the handmaid's tale, the great, all of this on the nose pop song as the ending credits. Come on. I'm little done. fires everywhere did it too. Well, yeah, but that yeah. at least was not like, yeah, little fires everywhere. That's it. it at least it's a different time period, but it's still Hulu. And yes, I'm over it. Stop doing it. I don't want to hear a cello version of an Alanis Morissette song. I hate it. Stop doing it. And also, no one ever in any show, TV, theatrical performance ever gets to use Everybody Wants to Rule the World for any purpose ever again. Done with anyone using Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Done with it. Agreed. That's my Nixes. Uh, Timothy Oliphant, call me. I know you're happily married, but I, I'm in your side. Take the helmet off. And also shout out to Lynn Shelton, who was involved with Little Fires Everywhere, uh, one of the yeah. directors and, and Mark Marin's wife. And Yeah, and well, they, yeah, girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, they well, were they were engaged. Yeah. Um, he's gutted, and I feel for him. That's sad. She seemed amazing. Really, like, was involved in Glow and a bunch of stuff that I really liked, so... That sucks. Um, it it, it yeah. sucks a lot. And and I, yeah. All right. Hang, hang in there, Mark Marin. You were, I don't know. You're, you're a weird guy, but I'm sorry that you're, you know, this sucks for you. He's so. a good guy. This yeah. hard, I think. He's, um, he's an odd man, but I kind of like that because I'm odd. So. Yeah. We, we, yeah, we nix, we nix normalcy here on the next. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week. If you want to talk to us, uh, you can get us at the Facebook. Uh, at the Facebook. I sound so old. Um, on the Facebook. Get us at the Facebook at the next podcast or on Twitter uh, at the next podcast. Fanny is also there on Fanny Darling. At Fanny V. Darling. V. I'm not on Twitter anymore because Twitter is the death of us all. Um, <laughs> talk to us next week. Bye. Bye. Good night.
<laughs> the death of us all. <laughs>